Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. Joshua chapter 1, it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of God, God spoke to Joshua, Moses' assistant. Moses, my servant, is dead. Get going. Cross this Jordan River, you and all the people. Cross to the country I am giving to the people of Israel. I'm giving you every square inch of the land you set your foot on. Just as I promised Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon east to the great river, the Euphrates River, all the Hittite country, and then the west of the great sea. It's all yours. Look at the person next to you. Tell them it's all yours. Since all your life, no one will be able to hold out against you. In the same way I was with Moses, I will be with you. I won't give up on you. I won't leave you. Strength, courage. You're going to lead this people to inherit the land that I've promised to give their ancestors. Give it everything you have, heart and soul. Make sure you carry out the revelation that Moses commanded you. Every bit of it. Don't get off track, either left or right, so as to make sure that you get to where you are going. And don't for a minute let this book of revelation be out of your mind. Ponder and meditate on it day and night, making sure you practice everything written in it. Then you will get where you are going. Then you will succeed. Haven't I commanded you strength, courage? Don't be timid. Don't get discouraged. God, your God, is with you every step you take. Then Joshua gave orders to the people's leaders. Go through the camp and give this order to the people. Pack your bags, and in three days, you will cross this Jordan River to enter, everybody say enter, and take the land, say that with me, say take the land, God, your God, is giving you to possess. I'm going to read that one more time. It says, then Joshua gave orders to the people's leaders, go through the camp and give this order to the people. Pack your bags. In three days, you will cross the Jordan River to enter and take the land God, your God, is giving you to possess. I believe today that God is calling us to possess a land here in St. George. And if you believe that with me, give God some praise in this house. Let's jump real quick to Joshua chapter 6. And it says, at dawn of the seventh day, they started out again. But this time, they went around the city, not once, but seven times. The seventh time, as the priest, as the priest blew a long, loud trumpet, trumpet blast, Joshua yelled to the people, shout, the Lord has given you the city. Look at the person next to you, tell them, the Lord has given us the city. Now, but I want you to say it like you actually are convinced by it, like the Holy Spirit just convicted you and you are absolutely positive confidence in the Holy Spirit that he has given us the city. Look at the person next to you with a mean girl. Tell them, the Lord has given us the city. Can we bow our heads? Heavenly Father, we 
thank you once again that you give us this amazing opportunity to be here. Be here, and here can be defined by so many things. It can be defined of where we are geographically, but it could also be defined where we are spiritually, where we are in our journey. Lord, we're just grateful that we have the opportunity that no matter where we came from, we are here today. Thank you for this amazing opportunity that we can reach this city called Staten Island because you have planted us here. We thank you, Lord, that today we launch as a church community in a new location, but our mission is the same. Bring people to Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray and God's people shout in this room, Amen and amen. Can we give the Lord some praise in this house one more time? Hey, don't feel, don't feel ashamed to, to get excited or to be a participant in this message. Uh, preachers love when they hear feedback. So if you want, you could say amen. Someone shout amen. amen. You can say, go ahead, preacher. Or you can say, take your time, take your time. Can I hear take your time real quick? Amen. Uh, one of the things I love hearing is stories about how couples got together. I love hearing stories about couples, how they met and how they were introduced and how they got to know one another. It fascinates me to hear how people actually became a couple. And if you're married, it fascinates me to hear how is it that you ended up getting married and what it looked like and how you proposed and how you, you know, whispered sweet nothings in her ear and she just fell in love with you. And I would like to share my story on how I married my beautiful wife, Lisa. Now, I want to tell you how we met, but I don't want many, but it's a very long story, and I don't want to make some of you feel uncomfortable. And so, I am going to, I am going to tell you how we ended up getting married. So, uh, one of the things that I love about our marriage is we come from different backgrounds. If, if you've noticed, we have different uh, set of kids. Like, she has two boys. I have a boy and a girl, and I love it because, you know, if, if you ever come from two different families and now you are, 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 are uh, uh, a united family from two different backgrounds, one of the things that you will, maybe it's happened to you, but Lisa will be walking around with my daughter, and I love it because uh, they'll, they'll look at my daughter and they'll look at Lisa and they'll be like, oh my God, she looks just like you. <laughs> and it's funny because we get the same reaction every time. Like, oh my God, she looks just like you. And I'm like, nah, that's not how baby, that's not how moms. And then, and then and I love the reaction that we get because then they look at us because we're pastors and we're not supposed to come from those backgrounds, right? So they look at us and they're like, oh, oh, oh. Pastor Ro got a baby mama out here. And so that's the truth. I mean, she has a, a baby daddy. I got a baby mama. And the Lord connected us. And we are kind of like a Brady, bench, a Brady Bunch family. And we come. She was single for four years. I was single for two years. And, and then we went out. Of, we started dating. And during our date, and when I mean dating, I mean we actually went out on two dates. That was about, that was about it. And uh, then we got married. <laughs> And we went on a, literally a couple of dates. I don't play. I don't play out here. I'm trying to get married a bit. 
And I remember, uh, I remember we, we, uh, we started dating and uh, soon after we became boyfriend and girlfriend. I, I think we were too grown to be called boyfriend and girlfriend. We were waiting to get married. That's pretty much it. And, and I remember I'm making a call and I was just like, uh, and I told her, I want you to be my, my girl. You know what I'm saying? Like, what's up? You know what I'm saying? I, I don't got time. I'm 29 years old. I need to, you know what I'm saying? And I remember uh, after we became a couple, about a week later, maybe about a month later, I call her up and I said, I said, baby, I got a revelation from God. She's like, what? Tell me. I'm like, you're going to marry me. She's like, but you just convinced me a month ago that I was in love with you. Like, what do you mean? I can't do all this one, one after the other. And I called her and I was like, honey, the Lord gave me a word. I said, I'm going to marry you. She said, but we just... We just became boyfriend and girlfriend. I said, I know, but I, I'm trying to get married. I ain't playing out here. You know what I'm saying? Any men know what I'm talking about? I ain't playing out here. We're going to get married. And I remember uh, she, she said, I'm going to make sure that this is of God. And she says, and I, I don't know if you've been in church long enough, you need confirmation. Anybody ever needed a confirmation? You know what I'm saying? I had all the confirmation that I needed. She was beautiful and she was hot and she loved my kids. That's all I needed. And that was my confirmation right there. And so she needed confirmation. And I remember that she was like, she put the odds. I'm talking about, you ever, you ever heard the story of Elijah where he pours the water on the altar and he calls it to burn up? She did the same thing. She was like, God, if this is of you, this, and she stacked the odds, almost impossible. But guess what? God gave her the confirmation. Thank you for hooking that up right there. Thank you, Jesus. And the Lord gave her the confirmation. And, and uh, <laughs> shortly after, I said, I said, baby, the Lord gave me a date. We're going to get married, baby. August 27th, that's the day. And she's like, that's like two months from now. I said, I know, but don't worry. The Lord spoke to me. <laughs> and I remember that August 27th was a crazy hurricane. Hurricane Irene. You guys remember that? Hurricane Irene, August 27th. And I remember that she was like, baby, are you sure that the Lord <laughs> told you? That we're supposed to get married August 27th. I said, thus stay at the Lord. We're going to get married today. It's going to happen. And we finally got married. And I, I, she walked down that aisle. And I got to be honest, when I looked into her eyes as she walked down that aisle, I began to weep because her beauty was stunning to me. It was absolutely, I was just like, man, this woman is gorgeous. And I think she's a beautiful woman. But that day, for some reason, she just looked absolutely amazing to me. And as you can tell, I also looked amazing. And that was supposed to be funny, but <laughs> um, I just rem remember that for that moment, we became a married couple, right? And I also remember that we entered the first, our first apartment, and as we were actually looking for apartments, the apartment began to speak to her. Any, any mothers know what that means? Because I still don't know what it means. But she walked into the apartment and she knew it was our apartment because apparently she speaks the language of apartment and the apartment started talking to her. And so when the, when the apartment started speaking to her, she knew that this was the apartment and it's the apartment that we live in now. And I remember our first stay there. It was like, baby, we done did it. We married. It's complete. We're good. We are set, baby. We are married. It's all good. 
But how many of you know that was our marriage? You see this? These, these are my kids. No, I'm just joking. Just joking. They look just like their mom. Um, and I remember I had this thought because when it comes to marriage, oftentimes when you're single, you want to get to the point of marriage. And you're like, I can't wait to get to marriage because once you actually get married, you feel like you've arrived. It's like, whoo, take off your backpack, I'm good, I'm married. But what you don't know is that the moment you get married, you're actually giving birth to a brand new baby marriage. What you don't know is that the moment you get married, it's actually not an arrival, it's actually the end of something, but it's the new beginning of something else. And I want to use this time to give you the title of this message. It's called, The End is a New, Every End is a New Beginning. Look at the person next to you tell them, every end is a new beginning. See, because when we began our new season of marriage, we had to end our old season of singlehood. See, I, I don't know about you, but when you enter a new beginning, when you enter a new season in your life, there are some things that work in the, the, in the old season that won't work in the new season. I don't know about you, but a new beginning, when you get married, you can't operate like you're single when you step into the new season and the new beginning of marriage. Someone said amen real hard. Could we join them? <laughs> so, and that's the thing, because when, when there is an end there's always a new beginning. When there is an end, there's always a new beginning. I, and I don't know about you, because if you're in the season of winter, it makes no sense to wear clothes from the season of summer. You'll be really cold. You enter a new season, and the things that work in the new season are things that may not work, that used to work in the old season. See, there are, there are seasons, there are things in your life and in our life that God is waiting for you to say goodbye to in order for you to make up the room and make some space for you to say hello to the things that he wants to pour out in your new beginning. See, there are things that he wants you to say bye to in order for you to make room to say hello to everything that God has for you and God has prepared for you. You will never be able to experience all that God has for you in the new season if you're still trying to bring things from the old season into the new season. Sometimes every end is a new beginning. And I just want to declare over this church today that as we place an end to where we were in a previous location, we are stepping into a new season here at Christ Uncensored and I want to be upfront to tell you what worked over there may not work here and what worked back then may not work here but this is a new beginning we've just started a new relationship we've just started a new marriage and everything that God has purposed and planned for us today here we can't take the old season and bring it into the new season but we can give birth to this new beginning and just start like a baby start uh, feeding it start making sure that it get, it's getting its pop, proper new and make sure that we fulfill everything that God has for us in this new season in our life. I want to tell someone today that no matter where you are in your old season, I, I, I want to prophesy even directly to you today, no matter where you are, I don't care what your past season looked like, I declare over your life that this season, my God, I declare over your life that this season, 
this next season that you are entering in, that this new journey that you are stepping into, new territory, no matter what your previous season looked like, maybe it looked like you were depressed, maybe it looked like you were filled with anger, I declare over your life that this new season is a new beginning over your life. And in this new beginning, you'll fulfill your purpose, you'll fulfill your plan, you'll fulfill God's promise over your life. If you believe that, give God some praise in this house. I don't care what your old season looked like. We're entering a new season. I had to say bye to some old things in order to say hello to everything that God has for us. See, I don't know about you, but if there's any binge watchers on Netflix, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because when there's a new season, that means there's a new episode. There's new episodes. And that means there's new characters. And there's some characters that were in previous seasons that are no longer in the new seasons. So don't be afraid. I said there's new episodes. Monday's my binge watching day. So I noted, and some, and some characters that are in the new, in the old seasons or been in the past seven seasons may not be in the eighth season. Can I get a witness in the house? See, there are, there are new episodes and new seasons that God is calling you to step into, so don't be afraid of the new beginning that God has for you. Don't be afraid to say yes to everything that God has for you and to say hello to the new beginning that God has for your life. It's okay to say bye to the previous season because God is calling you to this new season. See, when we look at the book of Joshua, the book of Joshua, I know some of you are surprised. Wow, Pastor Rose preaching off the Old Testament. I know. I'm surprised too. Look at Kelby. Kelby's in tune. Like he's just like, yes, Old Testament. See, the book of Joshua is actually a book that is full of new beginnings. The book of Joshua, I want to, it says in Joshua chapter 1, it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of God, God spoke to Joshua, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant is dead. Get going. What does he say there? He says, Moses, my servant is dead. Moses, my servant is dead. Get going. Cross the Jordan River. And you and all the people cross to the country I'm giving to the people of Israel. Now he says, Moses, my servant is dead. He says, he's not giving him information. There's one thing that Joshua absolutely knew is that Moses was dead. He understood that already. But when God gives you information, it's not simply for information. It's for revelation. He wants to communicate to your life maybe something you already know, but he wants you to see it from a new perspective. Because maybe you, you just saw Moses being dead, now what am I going to do? But he's trying to tell him, hey, Moses is dead. Guess whose season it is for you to lead? It's you, my friend. See, let me give you some background. The people of Israel just spent 40 years in the wilderness as God provided for them bread and water. And God used Moses mightily to deliver the people of Israel from Egypt. And now Moses ends up taking his last breath without entering into the promised land. And now Joshua is responsible to lead some 2 million Jews into the land flowing of milk and honey. I love this because this is actually a picture of Jesus. See, because Moses was able, watch this, catch this. Moses was able to get them out of Egypt. But Moses wasn't able to get them into the promised land. See, Moses represents the law, but the name Joshua is actually the name Jesus in Hebrew. Yeshua, which means Yahweh is salvation. 
And I don't know, I want to kind of pause the, uh, pump the brakes here for a second and let someone know, guess what? The law may take you out of Egypt, but only Jesus can uh, allow you to enter your purpose and your plan and your promise. See, the law can get you this far, but only grace can get you to accomplish all that God has for you. And the Bible says that Joshua was selected to be the leader to enter into the promised land. It was a new season, a new beginning. What Moses did may have worked before, but it may not work anymore. He says, Moses, my servant is dead. And here's the deal. Throughout their entire journey of the people of Israel, there was always a next. Look at the person next to you. Tell them next. There was always a next thing. And here's the truth. If you ever, if you have followed Jesus long enough, you will know. And if you have followed God long enough, you will know this, that there's always a next thing with God. There's always a next thing with God. See, you might have a, throughout the entire journey, they were in Egypt and from Egypt, they were in the wilderness, and from the wilderness, they entered the Jordan, and from the Jordan, they entered the outskirts of Jericho, and from Jericho, they had to uh, praise and worship, and the walls came tumbling down, and then they entered their promise. Look at the person next to you, tell them, what is your next? See, God was blessing them in the wilderness. Catch this, God was blessing them in the wilderness, but God says, I don't want you to get comfortable with the manna that I'm supplying you. I want you to begin to prepare to enter the promised land that I have for you. And he says, he says, I want you to step into the next thing and the new beginning and the new season I have for you. Moses, my servant, is dead. Maybe, you, maybe you're here and you're in the season of hearing songs, but what if I told you today God is calling you in, into a new season where you're no longer singing songs, uh, you're no longer hearing songs, now you're singing the songs that you used to hear. See, maybe you're here and you just uh, are, are hearing a message, but God is calling you to, into a season, not just to hear the message, but to become the message. Not just to listen to a word, but actually become the word. Maybe God is calling you into a season where you see people walk in victory and walk in their purpose, and it's inspirational and it's motivational, but God is calling you to do the same, to live in victory, to live in holiness. Maybe God is calling you to a season where you don't just come to church, but you are actually actually the church. See, he's taking you from the wilderness into Jericho. There's always a next thing with God. And as the story continues, God speaks to Joshua and he tells him, listen, I want you to go and take the land. And if you look at chapters 2 through 5, so much takes place and there's a constant theme of next. And he was the, here's what God tells him. He says, listen, I want you to send two spies into Jericho. Catch that. In other words, let me update it for you. He says, I want you to create two fake, two fake Instagram accounts. And I want you to go friend request Jericho selfie one, two, three. And then I want you to scroll through their entire timeline. But you got to be careful because you cannot double click any of their pictures. He says, I want you to go to Jericho and I want you to scout the land. Some of you, some of you are guilty of that. You know exactly. You guys are on creeper status. Oh my God. And so the, he says, I want, you to, I want you to send two spies. And I love this because the two spies went in and they came back with a good report. Even though they got busted. In other words, they double clicked on that picture they weren't supposed to click. 
but they came back with a good report. And the report was, man, they are scared of us. We're ready to take over. The land is ours. See, I love that because it's also what happened in the book of Exodus when Moses sends out Joshua and Caleb. And you know what took place? 12 spies go into the land and 10 people come back with a negative report and convince 2 million people that the land is not for the taking. It's imagine what small perspectives and big opinions can do. It's, a, it's, it's, it's fascinating to me how 10 people can go into a land and have the perspective, this is way too big for us. This is way too much. We cannot handle this. This is too much of a giant. There's giants everywhere. The grapes are too much. They, we, we look like grasshoppers in their sight. Imagine what they think of us. But Joshua and Caleb came back and they said, no, this is for the taking. This is our land. The Lord promised. It doesn't matter what giant comes our way. It doesn't matter how big the task is. We are going to pray that this land is ours and we are stepping in fearless, with courage, without any shaking or hesitation because God said it was our land. See, and the spies come back and now Joshua is crossing the Jordan River and they're getting ready to conquer this land called Jericho. See, Jericho had walls that were lifted all the way up. They were some tall, tall, enormous walls that protected people from going in and out of the city. And the Bible says that God gives Joshua a plan. Now, I don't know about you, but do we have anybody that you are good at making plans? It's okay, we won't judge you. Like, I, I don't know about you, has anybody ever offered God a great idea? I'm infamous with, like, I'll I, I be, I be giving God some plans, boy. I'll be like, yo, God, check this out. I got an idea for you. Because here's what happens, Joshua is now in front of Jericho, and Joshua is a military strategist. And he's like, okay, how are we going to get past these walls? How are we going to overcome? And the Bible says that God gives them a plan. Check this plan out. This is an epic plan. Look what it says. The gates of Jericho were kept tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go in or out, but the Lord said to Joshua, Jericho and its king and all its mighty warriors are already defeated. <sighs> For I have given them to you. Your entire army is to walk around the city one day. Check this out. Here's the strategy. Jericho is all yours. The entire, this is what you got to do. What you got to do is you have to get your army and you have to walk around the walls once for seven days and go back home. Okay, God, but I, where, I got my sword. Where's my sword? I'm ready to use my sword. No, no, this is what I want you to do. I want you to grab the horns. I want, to gra I want you to grab your worship instruments. And I want you to head out into uh, this land. And I want you to walk around Jericho once a day. And once you're done, I want you to go back home. 
but, but what about our uh, battering ram? And what about our spears? What about our bow and arrows? What, what, I'm ready. He's talking to 40,000 military soldiers that are going to go around. This is not an epic plan. God, I don't know about you, but this doesn't make sense. I, I, I know what makes sense. Can I give you an idea? Hey, how about we go and we take the battering ram and we just ram the door down and we kill everybody and we possess the land? See, that's a good plan. That's a great plan. You know what's not a good plan? Going around a city that could shoot you with bow and arrows. You know what's not a great plan? Walking around with bullhorns ready to worship and then going back home. That is not a good plan. This doesn't make sense. But I want to submit to you today that you don't have to understand God's plan for you to trust God's purpose. Oh, you can say amen to that. See, because I, I wrote this question. Are we, watch this, write this down. Are we going to live lives designed by our preference or live lives directed by God's plan? See, are we going to live lives designed by our preferences or are we going to live the type of life that is directed by God's plan? See, there are things that God is calling you to do that don't make sense. And even if he did explain all of it, you still wouldn't be able to understand or make sense of everything God is asking you to do in order to trust his purpose. You don't have to understand his plan in order to trust his purpose. I made up my mind a long time ago, even if it doesn't make sense, oh ye will I trust you, oh Lord. My soul will trust you every step of the way. I may not be able to understand because here's the deal, my mind capacity, as intelligent as you think you are and as great of a strategist we think we may have or be, I trust God's plan because I, can, I don't have the mental capacity to understand the fullness of what God is trying to do in my city and in my life. Guess what? God's plans may not make sense ever, but they, I don't need to understand it in order to trust him because if I know him, I will trust him even though I may not fully understand everything that he's saying to me. Let's be honest. I mean, even if God were to speak to us and give us every single detail, we'll find a way to mess it up, wouldn't we? We've messed up our own plans. But, but I love my plans because my, my plans are so epic and I think that we, we kind of like, okay, God, when we don't understand your plan, God, here's what we're going to do. God, I don't understand it, but I understand mine. And let me give you the idea. Here's what we're going to do. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to graduate high school and after I gra graduate high school, I'm going to go to college and after I go to college, I'm going to find a great job and after I, I find a great job, God, this is what, this is what I want to do. I want to go to college and I want to become a doctor and there's nothing wrong with that, God. So that's a good thing. I can help people. God, you know I can hook people up. You know what? And I'm going to tie God, you're going to be good. Trust me, I got you. Don't worry about it. And God, this is what we're going to do. We're going to enter a, a, a new season, and I'm going to get committed to a church, and I'm going to... If you ever want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. I love what the, the wisest man in the Old Testament says. He says, many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. 
I'm going to read that again. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. See, we suggest plans to God that make sense to us but have no purpose in us. See, we make plans that make sense to us but have no purpose in us. And then we wonder many times why is it that we keep running into the same walls of Jericho. And we keep hitting the same wall and running into the same wall. Why? Because we are trying to do things at our, in our own strength, at our own pace. Guess what? It does not make sense why we would leave 11 Olympia Boulevard. But guess what? The walls that are in this school seem insurmountable. They seem like we cannot overcome it. They seem like, whoa, what is going on here? This is way too much for us. The giants in this land are way too much. But guess what? We don't need to understand it fully. I don't know how we're going to make all this happen happen. I don't know how everything's going to actually come about. I don't know how we're going to fill this place. We don't know how this uh, screen is going to work finally. We don't know. But I don't need to know everything in order to trust God's word over our life. Come on, church. See, I don't need to understand it all. Maybe you're going through a financial situation and you don't think this is going to make sense and God is calling you to step out and God is calling you to serve and God is calling you to do more. But guess what? It doesn't make sense, but it doesn't need to make sense because you can trust in God's purpose. Give God some praise in this house. <laughs> then he says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go around the city of Jericho seven times. I want you to go around the city of Jericho and when we get frustrated with God's plan, let's be honest, this is when God calls us to be patient. Doesn't he? You know, it's like patient, the word patience is not a sexy word. I don't know if you know that. It's like, okay. Like, no one ever takes that as a good compliment. Oh, my God. What did you find? What did you find him? He's so awesome. You know, he's so patient. It's not sexy. It's not cute. If I were to hear him, hey, guys, we're going to preach a message on patience. How encouraged do you feel? Oh, God. Here we go. I got to be patient. Patience is not cute. But here's the deal. There's a season that God is calling us. And we get frustrated, and in that season, sometimes we have to wait. See, we get frustrated because here, here's what happens. The Bible says that they will go around every single day around that wall. Around that wall. And they go around that wall, and it kind of seems like they're wasting time. Joshua, we went, we went around the wall again. Oh, awesome. Go again. Okay, here we go, God. All right, here we go. I'm gonna go. Okay, I did it, God. Go again. Da da da. I did it, God. Go again. We get frustrated because now 
I can't wait to get into Jericho and conquer the land. I can't wait to do the thing that God said is mine already. But God will call you to do something and then he'll have you wait for it because he wants you to be the proper recipient for what he has you, what he has you possessing. And then we think we are wasting time. But I want to submit to you today that a waiting season in God is never a wasted season. A waiting season in God is never a wasted season because God is not like a microwave. He's more like a crock pot. Yeah, you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about, that you, you try to heat something up and you can't even wait till it ends of the last second. It's like three seconds, two seconds, bing! Right? Because we it was just God, I, you said it was mine, I want it, I want it, this is mine. But God is, is more like a crock pot. God is waiting for it to marinate. God is waiting for you to become the proper recipient for what he has you to possess. See, it may not look like much is happening. It may not look like a lot is happening. But just because God's work is not apparent doesn't mean God's will is absent. Just because God's work is not apparent does not mean that God's will is absent. Well, what do you mean? What I mean is that there are times that you're going to be going around in circles and it will not make sense to you and you're simply doing what God called you to do and you want to see res results, but God is looking to see repetition. See, you think that God is looking for you to be fruitful, but there are seasons in your life that God is not waiting to see how fruitful you are. He's waiting to see how faithful you can be. See, we want to be, oh God, I just want, I want to produce fruit. But here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that neither he who waters or plants is anything. It is God that makes it grow. We want to kind of look at it and we say, grow already, expand already, bear fruit. God is saying, no, just keep watering, keep planting. I, I'm declaring, I'm, I know I'm speaking to someone's life here today, that God is calling you. You're waiting to see the results in your life. You're waiting to see the fruit to pop out. But God is saying, nope, keep watering, keep planting, keep watering, keep planting. That's going to be a jingle one day. Keep watering, keep, no. We're so focused. We're so focused on the obvious that we begin to step away from obedience. See, if I only can see, if I only believe that what I see is the only world that exists, then I'm simply not living life in its full capacity. See, because there's much more going on than what your eyes can see. See, some of us, we come to church and what we see here is we see, we walk in here and apparently it looks like there's a concert going on, but it's actually worship being elevated to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Some of us walk into this place and we think that pastor is just giving a talk, but it's actually the word of God going forth to renew the minds of the people that come in here. See, some of us think reading the Bible is just reading a book, but it's actually reading the word of God, the living word of God that is transformed 
transforming our hearts. Some of us think that when we walk in here, we may see people crying, but they're not just crying. See, on the outside, on the, they're crying, but on the inside, God is renewing them. God is changing them. God is restoring them. God is bringing them to himself. See, just because God's work is not apparent, God, where are you? Why, why doesn't it go around? I, I did that, God. I, I went around the wall of Jericho. Go again. See, there are things that God wants to instill in you, and they come not simply by doing it once, but by putting it on repeat. See, some, some, sometimes we're like, God, we don't see the results. And we're like, okay, we need to read our Bible. We need to read the Word of God. Okay, God, I read the Word of God. No, do it again. I need you to pray. Okay, Lord, I pray for my family in Jesus' name. Amen. No. Okay, God, are you going to do it? Do it again. Go around that wall one more time. See, I wonder what it would look like if there was a church that existed that would simply not just look to be fruitful, but look to be faithful. And if God calls us to go around the wall of Jericho seven times, we're going to go around the walls of Jericho, and we're going to declare and pray over this city, and we're going to pray and declare over St. George that this is our land, this is our land for the taking, but we will go around as many times as it takes before we possess the land. Amen? There's a day seven waiting for you. There is. See, many times we want to kind of jump, skip, and hop to the day seven. See, if people would have walked in on the day seven at Joshua, they would have been like, whoa, you guys are amazing. That's crazy. You defeated Jericho. You defeated Jericho. No, but you don't, you don't, you weren't there when we were going around the walls every single day and then going back home. See, there's going to be a day seven that comes in for this church and people are going to say, wow, my God, look what the Lord has done. They have taken over the land. They have stepped into new territory and they have received all that, but they don't know that there was a church, maybe about 40, 50, 60, 70 people putting up pipe and drape, setting up sound, putting up projectors, putting up lights, and, 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 and it's, it's only about 40, 50, 60, 70 people. But we were going around the walls of Jericho. We were going around the walls of Jericho. How many times? As many times as it takes. As many times as God calls us to walk around this city, to walk around this school, to walk around this new territory, as many times as it takes. I dare you to look at your Jericho this morning and look when you go home and when you see your family and maybe mothers, you're here today and you're looking at your children and they look like Jericho. They look like, I don't know what's happening, but I dare you to start going around in prayer and start declaring, no, this is my child, this is my territory, this is my promise, and I don't care how many times I got to go around, I don't care how many times I got to pray, I don't care how many times I got to read the word, I'm going to do it because I'm going to be obedient and I'll let God worry about the results. What is your Jericho today? See, the plan may not look exciting but just keep marching 
The plan may not feel good, but just keep marching. See, because uh, water doesn't penetrate through a rock because of its power, but because of its persistence. And sometimes it just means that you got to be at it long enough before you call it quits. Sometimes you got to be at it long enough until you see the results. Can you imagine me showing up at the gym one day and say, I've arrived, I've made it, I worked out for an hour, I am done. No, it's in the repetition that we begin to see the results in our life. And it may not take for you to pray one day or read your Bible one day. I love people, oh, I read the whole Bible. Read it again. I read that, I read that whole book. Read it again. You read the Bible until it starts reading you. You could clap for that. That was good. That was good, Pastor Rowe. This is John in Joshua chapter 1. He says, I will be with you, Joshua. I will be with you. Before I give you a plan, before I give you a strategy, I want to promise you my presence. When my wife and I began Christ Uncensored House of Worship in a very small living room, it was only about four or five of us. I think it was the Mirandas and Jenny. And I remember that the task looked impossible. And I remember that John, in prayer, he would start praying. He would say, Pastor Roe, I see you in a circle of pastors and you speaking into their life. I see youth ministries coming. Now, we were in a small living room. Like, and not in a location. We didn't have a team. We didn't have projectors. We didn't have lighting. We had our voices and a mixtape. We didn't even have the instrumentals. We sang over Kim Walker. And it seemed like the task at hand was way too big for us. And it seemed like we would not be able to produce the results that God was expecting from us. See, what happens oftentimes in our life is that once God tells us where he is that he's taking us, we think it's our job to make sure that we get there. No, my friend. You just do what God called you to do. You just keep marching. You just keep pressing. And your season, your new season, is right on its way. And he says, I'm going to give you the greatest thing you'll ever need is my presence. He tells the disciples, Jesus says the same thing God told Joshua. My presence will be with you. My presence will be with you. Christ uncensored, can I be honest, we cannot do anything without the presence of God. 
We cannot do anything without the presence of God. Please don't get it twisted. Don't make any mistake. We are entering a new season in this church. But being in a new season doesn't mean that we step foot without consulting with God. It doesn't mean that we just set up pipe and drape and lights and projectors and we start serving coffee and it's all good. But oh God, let us never think that we can do church without the presence of God. He says, my presence will go with you. And I'm so confident that in this new season, that it is God's presence that is leading us here today. It is God's anointing that is leading us into this house. It is God's word that is leading us into this place. I love what Moses said. He says, God, if your presence doesn't go before us, we don't want to go. Make sure that in this new season that God has for us, that you know that it's his presence that is leading you there. Make sure that before you step into a relationship, that it is his presence that is leading you there. Make sure that before you say yes to that position in that new season in your life, that it is his presence that is leading you there. Make sure that, that the next time you step out into a new territory for your life, that it is his presence. That is taking you there. He says, Joshua, the land is yours. But I want you to be sure, even more sure than you possessing the land, be more sure of this, that I am with you. Can we bow our heads for a moment? We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com slash give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.